Okay, welcome everyone. Um, this week's parsha, parsha's lachlachos. It's a gigantic parsha, a lot in here. Um, I want to focus on some themes that we've discussed on previous occasions, but maybe tie them together because this is where they belong in this week's parsha. The parsha begins with Hashem Sivoy to Abraham. He says, Lech lecha, mi'atzcham, latcham, So, uh, many comment on the expression, Lech lecha. Go, as Rashi Tajay, for yourself. Uh, and just a, a simple pshat, perhaps. is a kasha that why would, it's supposed to be in the Zion. So why is Hashem, as He gives in the Zion, weakening the Nasayan and saying, go, it will be for your benefit. And it's going to be good for you, you're going to have children, it should be the opposite. It should be that uh, it should, Hashem should leave all that out, go eat, I think it's, I think it's an Amazazach, that to be a martyr, some people can psych themselves up for that. They say, look, I'm willing to sacrifice for Hashem. If Hashem says to go, even if it's going to cost me everything, I'm going to go. That wasn't an assignment. The lech lecha, lahanoscha letayvasecha, that it's for your benefit, had to be, in order to be mekayim it properly, Abram had to go for that reason. In other words, he had to take aside all his life experience and everything he understood that traveling does not do these things for a person. And that it's the opposite, that it weakens a person in all these areas. And he had to say, no, the, the way the world runs is by the Javar Hashem. And if Hashem says that this is what's going to be good for me, so I'm going not afal not even though it's going to make problems. I'm going because this is the way I'm going to achieve success. For a person to say, you know, I, I'm willing to learn Torah even though it means sacrificing in certain ways, that's one darga. But a, a higher darga is a person to recognize I'm going to learn Torah because that is how to live the best life. Even though al piderech aseicho, al piderech, the way that we see it, uh, the way we're raised, uh, from looking around the world, a person thinks that the way to achieve success is through inyone uh, gashmias. But a person should reach the level where they understand that is that serving Hashem is lahanoska tavasta. It's one shot. The Svasemes says a different mahalach in the words lachlacha. He says that Abraham had already begun at this point his journey. Uh, or his life mission of bringing Hashem into the world, of being an Eved Hashem. What Hashem was telling him with Lech Lecha is that you have to go, continue in your Avayiz Hashem until you reach Lecha, until you bring Avayiz Hashem into your personal life, into the things that are Lecha. I think we can understand the point that Svastamis is making a little better, there's a kasha. What was Abraham Avinu's unique contribution to, to the history of, of religion in the world? So if you ask most people, their answer is monotheism. That Abraham was the one who taught the world that there's only one God, not many gods. The problem with that is, is that when Abraham was uh, doing his job, uh, there was already Yeshiva Shem Ever. Shem and Ever were both monotheists. And there was, for sure, they were teaching monotheism. And Abram himself, in all likelihood, learned in their yeshiva. And that's where he got his initial training, so to speak, in Yiddishkeit. 
So that it can't be that that's his contribution to Yiddishkeit, to, 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 to religion, that he started teaching monotheism. At best, what he could have been is the spreader of monotheism, the one who took the idea and brought it to the world. And there is such an indication in the beginning of the of the Zorah that that's what, part of at least what Abraham's contribution was, is that Shem ever taught it in the yeshiva, and Abraham took it out into the street, and he got everyone to know it. But there's another way of looking at it, is that Abraham's contribution to Iker is not monotheism. Of course, he preached it and did spread it. What Abraham was mechadesh is what we would call mitzvahs. Shem and Aver were in a yeshiva someplace, and they were teaching a uh, philosophy, we'll talk more about it later, that spoke about precious. It was, they were, so to speak, Havdil, the monks up on the hill. And that's why we don't find that Nimrod w- went out to go against them. It's true they were preaching against but he knew that it's never going to become a mass movement. It's not a movement that where you tell everyone you have to leave this world behind and forget about everyone and move into the desert someplace. That's not going to sweep the world. And that's not going to be something that gets in the way of what Nimrod is trying to accomplish with this one society and, and bringing everyone together and trying to put his stamp on, on all of humanity. There'll be a few outliers that are, you know, whatever, doing weird things in the desert. The threat was Avram, because Avram came with a philosophy that taught that religion applies not just to a few services that you do from time to time in Shul or in Vesmesh, but it's a matter of everyday life. It's l'cha. It's left l'cha. It comes to the things that you do in everything. I remember, I mentioned this once before, but I was on the bus. With, uh, I sat down next to an old apikaris. And he, he said, you know, I can't believe that there's really a God why, uh, who gave the Torah. Why? Because there's halachas v'hal go the Why would God care about such things? So I don't remember if I told him, or I certainly was thinking it, but maybe I, I, it would make sense that I told him also. I said, I don't understand. And so you think the rabbis came up with those laws? That makes even less sense. Why would the rabbis care how you go to the bathroom? How do they plan on enforcing it? What type of law? That, that makes no sense. Of course, if it's there, it's only from Hashem. But, but the kasha, the shtickle stands. Right, what's pshat? And, and uh, even more, to add to the question, in the bracha of going to the bathroom, in that bracha we mentioned, this going to the bathroom reaches all the way to the kisah kavah. But the text is, if we understand that Hashem is the fabric of reality, if we understand that the Torah is not just a set of laws, but it creates the world that we live in. So of course, if, the, if there exists the there's going to be Torah about it. Right? If, uh, if someone's uh, playing some sort of computer game, and there's, you know, there's one part of the game, you walk in, you open a door, and you walk into a bathroom, then it's clearly it's going to be in the coding someplace. You can't say, no way, there's no guy programmer who's going to sit around programming the bathroom. Well, clearly he did because it's there. Right? Obviously, that's, that's our understanding of Torah. And Avraham, what he brought down to the world, the understanding he brought down to the world, is that Torah is not something that's miyuchad for the Besmejus and for the Shul. But it's something that has to be brought into every aspect of a person's life. We have to realize that we sometimes fall into being Talmidim of Shem Ve'ever as opposed to being Talmidim of Avraham. Often, when we try to think about how to improve ourselves before... Rashani and Kippur, so a lot of the a lot of it is about davening better, learning better, and of course those things are important. And a person has to add starting. But 
equally uh, equally important, or or if not equally important, also extremely important, is that a person has to work on their mycin, and a person has to work on being makadish their business, and a person has to work on being makadish their home, and the myth that you can't take those parts and separate them. That's not Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit is an all-encompassing religion that is a, not just a lifestyle, but it's a life. And it becomes the reality of your existence. And that's what Avram was teaching, and that's what is in this pasuk here. Uh, one more, Vart on Lech Lecha, pointed out that when it says Lech Lecha, Avram was being given a major uh, charge here to go and set out on his life mission to change the world, change the course of history. But it's only, even with that, with all the Lech, it's only Lecha. Hashem never asks you to go further than you can go. And a person is asked to go as much to the absolute limit of what they can achieve, but never more than that. And you're not mum for more than that. And even on the level of Avram, when there is a tremendous amount that you can achieve, but the, 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 the limit and all that's expected is l'chav. Lech, l'chav. Go to what you can do. The next part I want to say is not the vart. It's a daher. It's a thought. I want to ask the following question. Of all the chasadim that Avram Avinu ever did, what was the greatest of his chasadim? Right, next week, everyone's kindled are going to come home with you know, the three, four-sided tent and the tree. And that's, that's, the, that's the iconic chesed of Avram Avinu. Um, that's the one we know best. But if we look throughout all the Majashim and all the psukim, what one stands above all else? And I, I want to say that the greatest one is not something that's ever said openly, but it's the entire definition of Avram's life. We sometimes forget, Avram was born in the year from creation, 1948. There had been a lot of history before him. 20 generations of people before Avram was born. Not a single generation was there a father, son, grandson, who were all tzaddikim. There was Noyach, Chase, and uh, Adam and Chase, and then nothing from the Avedizar starts. There was uh, Noyach and Shane, skipped a few generations. You get Aver in there, skips a bunch of generations. And the vast, not vast, the, the overwhelming majority, 99.999% of the people, were Rishoyim, who had completely forgotten why Hashem created the world. And the whole Messiah of anything of use was out the window. It was, so, it was such a depressing matzav that according to Yaakov Kamenetsky, he said that Shem and Avers, what they taught in their yeshiva was that the world is irredeemable. People, they said, our father spent 120 years trying to convince somebody that a mammal's coming and he had a zero success rate. You cannot fix the world. The best you can hope for is not to be pulled down by it. And in their yeshiva, they taught how a person living in the muck, living in this terrible world, can rise above it and not be influenced and to stay true to what they know is the truth. And that's what they taught in the yeshiva. And that's why when Yaakov was going to base Lovon, and that was going to be a large part of what he had to do there, is not be influenced by Lovon. So he didn't go to yeshiva's Avram and Yitzchak to, in order to do that. Avram and Yitzchak is all about getting out there with the people. They went to Shem Be'ever to learn how to stay separate. So the Godel Adar, 
Shame and Ava, the Gdol Adar, are teaching. There's nothing to do with this. Not just recent history, all of history up until Avinu is telling you black and white, you cannot fix the world. And what does Avram do? He comes in and he says, I am going to change the world. I'm going to get everyone to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And not just that, I'm going to start a family that for the rest of history is going to be dedicated to this ideal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Where in the world did Avram get Azar Chutzpah to come up with such an idea? What showed him? What made him think that such a thing was possible? And the greatest chesed that Avram ever did is that he believed in humanity. And he believed that although there was no track record for such a thing, that some place within people exists a part that can hear the truth. And no matter how lost they appear to be, that you can reach them and you can turn them around and that the world can be fixed. And it was, it's an audacious idea. But through that chesed, for Avram's willingness to believe in humanity, he was mamshik, the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch And he made the world worth living. There's a, a pasuk in, in Shoifte. Um, Gidoin is... Uh, living also at a very dark point in Klyasol's history, that he'd been oppressed for years by, by the neighboring countries, and it's such a sad situation, and Klyasol has reached such a level that in order to, to save themselves, so to speak, um, his father and the townspeople had set aside a cow, and they spent seven years fattening the cow, feeding this cow, so that on the day that they are saved, They'll be able to mockerve to Rabbi the Zara, which saved them. And, and Gidon grew up most of his youth, he was not an old person at the time, was with having this cow in his backyard. And he asked the Tata, What's this cow? That's the cow we're fattening to bring to Rabbi the Zara that's going to save us. This was, it's not a, not a pretty matzah, it's not a, not a good situation at all. And when the Malach came to him, he was out in the field, the Malach came to him. So Gidon speaks with a, a passion and he speaks with a, a strength and he says, we're, he says, last night we had a Seder. Right, it's interesting, even with all that was there, they kept the Seder and we had a Seder and my father, and my father said, how? And in the howl he said, he spoke about how Hashem saved Kali, so on the time. He says, Manavshach, if Klai Yisrael that door was Tzadikim, so save us in the schus of them. And if Klai Yisrael was not Tzadikim, so then save us like you saved them, even though they weren't Tzadikim. And the next post, like Hashem turns to Gidon, and the way before Hashem explained it is Hashem himself came to Gidon in Nebuah. He said, okay, Malach, I'm going to handle this. He says, Leich Pikoi This insistence that you have to defend Klai Yisrael to the end, that no matter what they look like, you're going to say, no, Klaiso has the ability to be redeemed. Klaiso has the ability to change. Klaiso has the ability to rejuvenate. Lech Go be the leader of Klaiso, because that's what you have to have. You cannot give up on Klaiso. You have to be someone who believes, no matter what, that they're redeemable. Here's a Rav Tzadok, an amazing Rav Tzadok. It's in... What's I believe. He says, Kishem, 
just like a person has to believe in Hashem, a person has to believe in himself. And he has to believe that he has tremendous courage within himself. What's the connection? Because if a person realizes that he has within him a Nashama, he has within him a Chilakalikai, he has within him a, a pimple from Abram Avinu, so then he has to realize that he always has the ability to regenerate. Another episode, if we said this on, on Sukkot, but not everyone was there. The Tzaddik says, it says in the Pasuk, In Yitzchak you will be called, uh, Yitzchak will be called your seed. So he explains like this, he says, Within Yitzchak, you Abraham will get a new title. What's going to be your title? Zerim, a seed. A seed lies dormant underground. It looks, if you would dig it up halfway through, it, looks like, it turns to mush. It looks dead, it looks like there's nothing going to come out of this. And then at some point, something starts to grow, and I mean, you could have uh, just uh, some mighty redwood grow out of it. Uh, uh, the, the most gigantic organisms in the world come out from tiny little seeds. So, that's what Hashem was telling him. In, in Yitzchak, you will be a seed. Yitzchak was the first person born with a pimple yid. Yitzchak, Avram wasn't born with a pimple yid. Avram was Avram, but he had, he had a pimple of God in him. If he wouldn't have kept working he, he could, it could have been snuffed out, but by Yitzchak, there was already this idea that there's an Abraham there, an untouchable chilek of Abraham that's always going to remain pure and that can always regenerate. And we have to look at ourselves and our children and we have to always remember to see the potential that is there. And no matter what it looks like, to understand that they have the ability to rejuvenate and to come back. And you have to talk to that part and you have to see that part. And Lech Pekachat Hazet and that's the greatest chesed that you could give to yourself or your children is to believe. And to, to have the confidence that yourself or they can become great people. And even if it doesn't look like it's going on that track, to understand that this koich is within that can come out and change things. And I mean, they say, they say that uh, the Hashem had to tell them not to go down, because otherwise he would have gone to Sudan and tried to be Makayim. And Hashem told them that that's not happening. But uh, he was ready to go. He 100% believed in Sudan. And he believed that they could be turned around. The, we learn, at the beginning of this parasha, the Lech is the first of them, and a bunch of others in this parasha, the ten Nisyonis of Adam Avinu. So the question is, what does it mean when we say Aaron Avinu had ten nesimahs? Every morning when you try to get up a chakras, Aaron Avinu was the Masada of chakras, right? That means the day after or the day that Aaron was made chakras, the next day he already had an assignment whether to get up for chakras or not. Maybe he should, you know, the first day he probably did a Vasikin, and the next day maybe we'll do it a little later. Now, of course, you're talking about Aaron Avinu. I don't want to be Magash in it, but on some level, Right? There was some Nisoyim going, there's always Nisoyimists. How quickly is he going to run to go to... There's a million Nisoyimists that are... There's some... There's Machloikis in the in the Mepharshim. What the ten Nisoyimists are. So what about if you don't hold of one of the other persons on the list? What, what do you hold? It didn't happen? You hold it was autopilot? Of course they were Nisoyimists. So what do we mean when we say that Anuravinu had ten Nisoyimists? So I want to refer two Mahalkin that I, I think are both important. The first utilizes Rav Dasla's famous concept of the Nekudas of Bechira. Rav Dasla says that 
not everything that a person experiences in their life is really a choice. Most of us could not bring ourselves to murder someone. Um, certainly not in everyday circumstances. There might be circumstances that could bring us to that, but on the everyday, as you walk down the street and you, know, you see someone uh, with a nice watch, there is no thing, maybe I should just conk him on the head with something and steal the watch. It's not, it does not even pass through our head. Zotter of Dessler, that if a person does not hit him, you don't get scared for that. That wasn't a Nisoyim. It was below your range of Nisoyim. Alternatively, on the other end, there are things that the Etzem are mitzvahs, but they don't register on our radar as being something to even think about doing. Right? There, there may be, uh, you know, let, let's, to take, uh, the easiest examples are, are um, let's say, Kavona and, and Hasmada are the two easiest examples, but let's say Kavona. There's a possibility for a person to uh, not let a single stray thought happen, Kemat, throughout the entirety of davening, to be fully focused and invested in, emotionally in their davening. Um, if that has happened to you recently, please let me know, and I, I feel bad for saying, making it sound as if it doesn't happen to most people, but it doesn't happen to most people. Most of us do not walk out of a davening that wasn't on that level, that's it. I missed on that one. If we have Kavana, if we made it through the whole first bracha of Shemar and we still knew what planet we were on, we feel pretty good about ourselves. Right? And certainly, if a person really had Kavana throughout the whole davening, Shmanasra, they, they feel they chalk, we chalked it up as a success, as a win. I, there's a higher madrega. That higher madrega is not on our radar, and we don't get punished, says Rabbi Dassler, for not achieving it. It's, there's no struggle. What is a person's. So the word nakuda, which sounds like a specific point, is not fully accurate. It's more like a band. There is. At some point, things start coming onto your radar, right? Now the guy left his watch on the table. So you're not going to steal the watch, but maybe you'll pick it up and look at it. Okay, that's going to also, you know, I touch people's watches, right? Different type of going to whatever. And, and as it moves up, there's different levels. That's pretty easy, some of them, you know, to leave them aside. But then it gets harder and harder and harder until it passes over to a point where it's not in the sign anymore again. There's this long range. The word Nisoyim, it's a question of where it comes from, different Mepharshim explain different ways. There's one Mahalath that says that it comes from the word Nes, a miracle. And what that means is that it shouldn't be possible, or the way real Nisoyimists work is that they're a miracle. They're not possible to pass. They're just above your Nakudas Abhiram. Because if we think about it, if a person is, if, if, the, if the band is, you know, this big, I'm holding my hands a foot apart, um, and y- you have a Nisoyim in the middle and you pass it, nothing changes about you. You always have two drives. You become slightly strengthened in sticking to what you know is right. So you move up and down within your band, but your band doesn't change. The only way to really change is to have a Nisoyim that's out of the top of the band, and to pass it anyways. But by very definition, it's unpassable. So the Teretz is, if a person gives his all, and he gives everything he has, 
He musters all his emotional and physical and, and uh, uh, intellectual strength to pass the Nesoyim. And he gets to the right at the top. At that point, Hashem gives him he gives him a new ability, new strength, and new vistas of understanding close to Hashem open up in front of him, and now it becomes possible for him to pass that test. That is the nace, that's the nesoyim. When we said Abraham Avinu had only 10 nesoyimists, it means there were only 10 times in his life where he was put a, 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 a test that was above where he was holding. Just like that. And where he had to take everything that makes up Avram Avinu in order to be able to pass that test. And Baruch Hashem, to our benefit, in all of the ten he did that. We have to realize also that although we daven, that we shouldn't come, you can't go through life without Nisyanis. You always going to have the daily Nisyanis, but those are within your Nikudas of Achiba. That's not what we're talking about. When we daven and when we say loyalty and sign is not to be given the sins that are above our level, because we're probably going to fail. But a person also has to realize that you're probably not getting through life without any of them. There are going to be times where there's a struggle that feels to you like you cannot pass. It's too hard. But a person has to realize that that's when nays happens. That if you don't, you, you refuse to accept that it's too hard. And you push yourself to the ultimate of what you have. And you're literally willing to die for it. At that time, new strength is given to you. And you get new abilities. And suddenly it becomes possible. And that's when you become a different type of person. That's Mahalach number one. Second Mahalach. We find that Avram Avinu... Yitzchak and Yaakov are referred to as Avinu. So there's a Gemara Navai Dazar, interesting Gemara. Dabra says to Hashem, How come I'm not called Dabra Avinu? Why am I don't get the title of an Av? So Hashem said, Because they were tested and you were not. So Dabra says, So, okay, so test me and make, let's make this happen. So Hashem says, Okay, I'm going to, I'll give you the, I'll even tell you what the test is going to be. There'll be something going to arise, now go past it. And he had the mice of Ashava and he failed. So the Gemara says that David should not have failed. What happened is that Hashem took away his, uh, his Madrigas and he did it so that people should do tshuva, should know the power of tshuva. And in fact, David becomes a little bit the Av of tshuva, but he's not called a Vinu, it's sad. The whole Gemara sounds unfair. Dovramov wants to be a Vinu. So Hashem says, Oh, they were tested and you weren't. So he says, So test me. So Hashem says, Fine, I'll test you. And then Hashem cheats. He takes away his, his ability to pass the test. Thank you. So well, just tell me, if you're not going to let me be an odd, so just tell me, Sorry, that era is closed. You can only have three people. Ha- what's happened? So the way of Desler explains what happened with Don Hashem didn't make him do an Avera. Normally we say, Hashem doesn't come overbearingly on his, on his creations, and he has, gives siyata the shmaya when a person has an assignment to be able to pass it. So that's why Hashem did not give David siyata the shmaya when he had his uh, assignment, and that, therefore he failed. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't Hashem made him do anything. It just, he's fighting against the Malach. So how's, the Yetzar is supposed to win. But Vaila just begs the question. It's still unfair. 
By the others, you give them siyata nishmaya, and by me, you don't. So, Muzdaq Zogin, what we have to say is that by the Nasyonis of the others, they didn't have siyata nishmaya. By these 10 tests of Aram and Vina, obviously, you can't do anything without any siyata nishmaya. You're dead. But they, the normal siyata nishmaya that Hashem gives by Nasyon was not given to Avram and Vina by these 10 tests. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was bold with true in Yom Hashem gave him a test that was overbearing. And Afal Piken Avram was Oymed. And that's what it says in the Rashi in the beginning of last week's parasha, that Noyach was his halif in HaKadosh Baruch His halif in Hashem. He went together with Hashem. He needed the support of Hashem. That's not a time on Noyach. That's how everyone works. But Avram was Holach Lofona. He went without Hashem. He, that's what it means to be an Av. Why? Why would Hashem do that? Because in order to be an Av, in order to be master something, into all the Doiros, it has to come from you. It can't come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And any help that Hashem gives, He's taking away from what you're going to be able to give over the next generation. It had to come from Avraham And that's, it, it helps explain a difficulty that we're going to encounter later by Yosef. We find he's uh, both like an Av and a Tolda. He's one of the Shvatim, but he's one of the Avais also. He has some of his children, didn't become Avais, didn't become Shvatim, but two of them did. It's, it's, and he has, in certain ways, he's treated like one of the Avais. So the Kasha is, what's the rule about it? So we find that Yaakov, you know, when he wants to give over this Shevet tight to Reuven and to, 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 to Ephraim and Menashe, so he says, Shnei banacha hanodim l'cha koydim he starts up like a riddle. The two sons who were born to you before I got there. And guess who they are? Farmanasha. So if you're gonna say their names, what do you have to give the preamble of which ones you're talking about? Just say it. Farmanasha Kirubashim and Yuli. So I heard Rodinsky explain that it's a it's a Sipa. He's not giving a simon on who he's talking about. He's explaining why these two sons are the ones who are Zoyfik become Shvatim. He says, because they were born to you before I got here. The, these two sons are the product of your own work. When Yosef was on his own, the things he did then, he was an av for. Because to be an av means to go on your own kayak. Although we're not going to be always for all of Kalah Yisrael, but every person is expected to be an av for his mishpacha, for the people that come after him. And it, although we put a tremendous emphasis on Nisairah, and on taking what we got from our parents and making sure we get it intact to the next generation. But a person, it's not enough to see yourself as just someone who takes it from here and puts it over here. There has to be something that adds from yourself. Whether that's a certain passion that you give to what you're passing along or whether certain uh, features that get added by you. And a person has to be very careful, obviously. You don't want to change the Messiah. But there, are, there has to be the personal contribution and that's where a person becomes an av. And the person, that's where he makes his mark and gives something over to the next generation, which then they'll have naturally. And if a person works on it and makes that void the real by him, so his children will have a much easier time with that in the years to come. <clears throat> I want to end off with one more, maybe one or two, we'll see what we have time for. There's a kasha in the, in the parasha, uh, it's very boiled kasha. When it comes to Sadoim, so Avram Avinu is very uh, pointed in not taking anything from Melech Sadoim. Mamish, nothing to the point 
that he, he overdid it, Chazal tell us, and he gave back the people too, and then he should have kept, because he could have had the ability to bring them closer to Hashem. But it, was this, it came from a tremendous insistence that he's not going to take anything from, from them. Earlier in the Parsha, when he goes down to Mitzrayim, not only does he accept from Parai, but it seems that it was part of his plan, his, that he'll explain that Sarah's a sister, and therefore they'll give him presents. He seems to be going out of his way to get presents and to take things from people. What's pshat in this complete different, uh, different mahalach between when he was in by Parai and when he was by Sudan? So on a, on a Pashtun level, the, the uh, Abarbanel says that he took the, the presents from Parai because he needed to bolster his claim that uh, Sarah is his sister. If he would have turned down the presence, it would have made people very suspicious. I understand. You have this girl, she's being uh, taken to be the queen, the next queen or something, and, and you're not going to accept the presence? Why not? And they would have started doing a lot of, uh, asking a lot of uncomfortable questions, so to speak. So he just, he need, by Saddam, he didn't need it. There was no need. So his preference was not to take anything. But if it's needed, it's needed, and that's according to the Bible, not why he took by power. Um, another way that uh, some say is that the Gemara says so it says it was dark, it was night that's Talmud Bavli it was light, morning that's Yerusham so if anyone has learned uh, Yerushalmi a little bit the style of Yerushalmi is very different than the style of Babli. Babli starts with a Havamina, and then you get three answers, and then the Gemara slugs them up, and then the Gemara says, you totally misunderstood the question to begin with, and the whole thing is going this way and going that way. The, sometimes there's a blot and a half of Gemara, Shakla, Vitaya, back and forth, questions, riots, proofs, to a Shita that we don't hold of. And it gets knocked out. In the, in the Yerushalmi, it's not like that. Shitas that we don't hold of, they ask one question on, and that's the end of the discussion. Ah, you see that in Bavli, there's an answer to that question, there's a follow-up question. It's fine. We're just showing you this, we don't hold of him, and out. It, it's much more direct. In general, the, the, the kashas, the, the, they don't ask questions. They're much more busy bringing proofs to what someone said than asking kashas on what he said. We pointed out in the past, when Bavli wants to bring a raya, so it says toshma. Come and hear. Hearing is the sense that you use in the dark. When you can't see something, so you hear it. In Bavli, it says, Tochazi, come and see. Whenever it wants to bring a proof. That's the sense of light. So the morale explains that the hashpa in Eretz Yisrael is direct. Hashem sends the hashpa directly to Eretz Yisrael. In the rest of the world, it comes through back channels. Therefore, Abraham, when he came to Israel, and was just going back to Babylon and Shalmi, in order to arrive at the truth of Torah in Israel, the best path is to take the straight path. Because that's how the Ashbal is coming down. It's coming down straight. So if you get in line with the straight path, you'll be going the right way. In, ba- in Babel, it comes down crooked. It comes down shattered. It comes down broken. and needs to be put back together. So the Mahalik of approaching that is a disjointed Search in the dark, type of Mahalach, and that's how you get in touch with where the truth is. Avram Aminu expected that outside of Eretz Yisrael, how the bracha of 
that Hashem told him that he's going to become wealthy and that things are going to be good for him would come through back channels. It wouldn't be liyadcha, hapesucha, manas It's going to have to come through the back channels the way things happen in chutzla arts. And therefore, when it came through Pari, he said, okay, that's how Hashem is sending me the money. But in Eretz Yisrael, Avram wasn't willing to accept that sort of mahalach. And he says, if Hashem wants to give it to me, he's going to give it to me direct. I'll find a treasure, my wheat will grow out a trillion times the way it's supposed to be, my, my flocks will multiply, I don't need to get it from anyone else. And therefore he was not willing to accept it from Melch Sabay. On Nodom Mahalach, we find, a, they ask a kasha by Yosef, why uh, for the years that he was king, did he not send a message to Yaakov that he's, uh, he's alive? There's a few Mahalachim, we'll maybe discuss it in Mitzvah Shem then, but... One that Mahalach, they say, is that he had dreams that everyone's going to come down and bow to him. His understanding was that this is going to happen through them not chopping that he's the king. And it's the job of a Navi who has a Navua to do whatever he can to make sure that the Navua comes true. So Avram Avinu had a Navua that he was going to become wealthy from traveling to Israel. So until he got wealthy, it was his chiv to try to make it happen. So when an opportunity of wealth presented itself through power, he took it because that's his job to try to bring about the Nebuah. Once, at that point, he was already wealthy, there was no need for him to continue making tachbulas to try to make the Nebuah happen, and it happened already. So then he went back to his default setting, which is to try not to accept anything from anyone, and that's why he wouldn't take from Al-Sadan. A final shot is, what was Sudoim's Zach? They had wacky laws. Again, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit more next week. But what, what's Peshat in these? With such Mishigoyim? The laws sound so wacky. That seems to be that Sidoim Shita was that we, need, we don't want to have weak people. A person who cannot support himself, he can't get by without the help of other people. So let's get him, knock him off. And we'll, only, we'll have a world of strong people who will have children who are strong people, and everyone will be very strong. Avram Avinu's shita was the exact opposite. Avram Avinu's shita is the shita of Chesed. The, the, on this shita that says that the greatest strength is to help someone else. The greatest strength is to understand that there are people that there are times when everyone needs help, and to be there for them. What happens now? Melchizedek falls into a big pit. And he's lost the war. And he needs Avram to help him out. That mamish kvitshed on his nerves. It's the exact opposite of everything that Sadaim had been preaching. Right? When Avram Avinu reached his hand to take him out of the pit, he should have said, No! Self-sufficient! If I cannot survive on my own, I don't deserve to be here. The states of people don't actually live that way when it comes to themselves. So he took, but now he was trying to undo the damage. So he said, You know what? I'll pay Avram off. And I'm self-sufficient, however, I paid him, so he came and helped me. I said, no, that's not going to happen. You, I'm not taking anything from you. It's going to be a chesed that I did for you. And it's going to be, you will be the living sign. You, Melchizedek, in your capital, where you have big signs, everyone must be self-sufficient. You will be the sign of the triumph of chesed over selfishness. And that you only survive due to my chesed. And that was Avram's insistence not to take anything from him. I'm just going to end off. We have a few more minutes. A beautiful word. A lamdash of art. We know that's this week's um, project. Right, next week is the, is the tents. This week is the camel with the, the sheep with the mazel. 
Right? Everyone's going to come home. Well, they're sheep. All the kids come home. Sheep's with muzzles. They come home wearing muzzles. It's gewalt. Everyone has a muzzle. So, the, the Gemara says that Rav Chanina ben Doisa, Rav Pichas ben Yair's donkey, wouldn't eat food that had not had truma taken off, even though animals are allowed to eat food that hasn't had truma taken off. He was machmer on himself. The donkey was a machmer. So Avram and Venus donkeys didn't understand that they shouldn't eat grass that's not theirs? It's Ganeva. What's Pshat? That he had a muzzle as donkeys. They shouldn't, they, they don't have me. Right, if, if, if uh, Pinchas Ben Yair had a, uh, had a donkey that was next to Truma, he would have to put a muzzle on? No, the muzzle, the donkey understands the not to eat it. So there's a Shiloh that they asked. The Gemara in the Shabbos says that there was a Tano who was sitting next to, they made the Gzera not to sit next to a lamp and learn by a live lamp, which I was because Shema Yita, maybe you'll tip it. And he said, no, I'm not going to tip it. And then in the middle of his learning, he forgot, and he either did, or, according to Moshitas, and there he was about, he, he tipped it. And he wrote down in his ledger, when Mashiach comes, I'm going to be chayiv, a uh, fat cow, or fat, uh, fat carbon, for the, as a chatos, for having tipped the lamp by mistake. So Toysus asked there, he says, what shot that he wasn't protected from doing Navera? It, it says even the animals of Tzedek were protected. Why was he not protected? So Tyson says to Philip that the only time you're protected is by food-related averis. And because the food that a person eats or that their animal eats becomes a part of yourself and you become bigger from that food and it becomes you, so it's especially galling to the tzaddik that there's a piece of him, you can't point to which section it is, but there's a part of him that was built by Avera. And therefore Hashem protects them from food-related averis. So now, we can clear Chakira. If someone steals food and eats it, is that a food-related Avera? Or is that just a regular Avera that happens to be applying to food? Now, the Tzadik, by mistake, they stolen food in his house. Would Hashem protect them from eating it? Do we say the food becomes a Chefster Shal Avera, and the food becomes Avera food? And if he eats it, and it's now the Avera that's built into him. Or maybe we say, no, it's Tishtazay. The maizah, the act of eating, is awesome. Because it's stealing. But the food is just regular food. The, 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 the stolen, the identity of stolen doesn't become a chalik of the food. So if we want to take that second side, and we want to say that when you steal something, even though it gets a label maybe in the sugya of, of Mitzvah Babavera, it gets a label stuck on it that says this is a stolen item, but it does not become a chalik of the chetz of the food. The Mela, that would answer this question. Abraham's sheep, well, maybe they paskin, they held, that the, eating the grass is not an isser of, it, the grass is not usser. You're not allowed to eat it. Animals are not protected from doing isser. They're protected from food isser. If the food's going to become a part of them, but the, the grass is not bad, some usser. It's the act of stealing the grass that's usser. The Mela, that's why they wanted to stop themselves from eating, and therefore Abraham had to muzzle his. Have a wonderful Shabbos service.